From the alley-oops at Kizar to the glory days at the stick. From who's got it better than us to brick by brick. It's always the 49ers way from off-season to game day. Yeah, we talk back. It's the 49ers cut back. It's 49ers Cutback Podcast time. Welcome to the show, everyone. Time to get upon further review and take a deeper dive into the San Francisco 49ers versus Minnesota Vikings Monday night football matchup. And of course, it did not go the way that the 49ers had hoped. Uh, they were unable to walk into Minnesota and execute the way that they planned and come away with a victory. And it's compounded by the fact that they had lost a tough game the week before against the Cleveland Browns. Now the 49ers have lost their last two games, both of those being on the road. But now they've lost to a conference opponent as well. Losing to the AFC Browns and the number one defense is one thing. Uh, losing to the Minnesota Vikings, a team that is below 500 and not exactly playing at the top of its game, is a little bit more unsettling. I took a deep dive into the All-22 film. In fact, I already put out you know, the first half of the All-22 film breakdown of the offense. That's available on Patreon. Uh, the first half defense I've recorded, I'm going to be putting that out as well. But you're going to get to see the full breakdown. And there was a lot of enlightening things from watching that film. I think a lot of times when you watch it live and you watch the TV copy, you see certain things. And then when you watch it again, especially in an All-22 where you get three different looks uh, in zone cam from both sides. And then of course the aerial view that helps you get a full idea of what's happening and showing every single player on the field, you get a good picture on what, what both teams are doing. And I will say this, the Minnesota Vikings played a very good football game on Monday night. You have to tip your cap to how well they played. The thing is the 49ers lost the game by five points with the Vikings executing probably to the top of their abilities without, of course, Justin Jefferson. The 49ers are still in it. You can say the same thing about the Cleveland Browns game. 49ers an opportunity to kick a game-winning field goal as time expires. Minnesota Vikings game driving with an opportunity to take the lead to win the game. You're putting yourselves in situations to still be competitive and win when you're not playing your best. But locating what went wrong and what things need to be fixed is exactly what we want to do in this episode. So I'm really looking forward to getting into it. And I paid a lot of attention. I took a lot of notes. Of course, if you want the All-22 Film Breakdown, the description's in the... Uh, go down the description section and get the link to the Patreon. You can go either through Linktree or they have the link there. Four years cut back on Patreon. All-22 Film Breakdown and get all into it. Of course, you can ask any questions and I'll break all those down as well. Plus, the Ant Hill Show is over there. Uh, you can also go check out uh, the Ant and Classic Show. Those things are available over on Patreon. So extra content for you there. The last of the major pro sports league kickoff this week and bet online is up to, up to your top spot for your, all your NBA action this season with MLB postseason, NFL and college football and NHL in full swing. Bet online is your number one source for wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions. Get everything NBA at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access for every sport. Anytime. Head to the bet online today to get in on the action. Don't forget to use promo code believe to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online where the game starts. So this game got off to an interesting start. 
Uh, Kirk Cousins and the Vikings started with the football. They have a great run on first down, and you're like, dang it, how did they get the edge again? And it was a well-ran play by Madison. He's able to get around Cleveland Farrell after they double-teamed him and then worked up to second level. And what that did was kind of establish uh, a fact that they could run the football against the 49ers, and it kind of set up some play-action things that Kirk Cousins was going to want to run later. I think what's interesting about that drive is it ends with a Charverius Ward interception. Man coverage uh, lined up all over Jordan Addison. He gets away with the interception, and the 49ers are in business. And then they go on offense, and the offense just absolutely is clicking, moving down the field. Brock Purdy's hitting Brandon Ayuk. Brock Purdy's hitting George Kittle. Brock Purdy's hitting Jawan Jennings. Then they get McCaffrey involved. And it's it's like the offense was back and rolling like it always had that we had seen pre-Cleveland. So what happens? Well, Christian McCaffrey takes the ball off the left side, has a pretty good gain on the play, and he gets hit low. And then here comes uh, the you know a veteran player that's really smart in Harrison Smith, and he knocks out the football. 49ers had a really good opportunity to get it back. Watch the film. McCaffrey probably would have got it back himself if Aaron Banks wouldn't have dropped on it. Of course, that's not how you're taught to get on the football. You're taught to cradle it and make sure you protect it. Uh, so the ball goes sliding out. The Vikings end up with it. And that is a bad start to a football game. What could have been a great start, a turnover from Charverius Ward that leads to a touchdown and the way they were trending a touchdown, but even a field goal, you know, a chip shot potential field goal for Jake Moody, uh, that could have helped him a lot as well. But you just lose the opportunity to get points on the road after you started by kicking the football off. It would have put you in prime position and set up for how you want to play as an offense and as a football team. Just puts you in a better position. Playing from the front is more important. You can lean on your run game. You can lean on your defense. You don't have to worry about being aggressive on defense. Uh, you can just let the game come to you. So that was really big. That's how drive one ends. So that was an opportunity to get points, and you fail. Then when you're in drive two, you get a dropped third down pass by Jawan Jennings. And why is this one so significant? Well, it's third and five, and Brock Purdy dials up the perfect throw. And the reason I say that is if you watched it in real time, you probably thought the ball was thrown behind Jawan Jennings. But Jawan Jennings was going against zone coverage. Brock Purdy threw the ball where he expected Jawan Jennings to sit down. If Jawan Jennings would have sat down in the right spot and not ran through where he was supposed to be, the ball would have been on time, in rhythm. He would have got upfield for a couple extra yards. Not only would the 49ers have got a first down, but they would have moved the sticks inside the red zone and been in prime position to potentially come away with a touchdown. But he didn't. Uh, he did stumble coming out of his break. Maybe that's what makes him run through it. But he's got to sit down. He's got to recognize zone coverage and be there to make the catch. So Brock Purdy throws it. Everyone thinks he threw it to the inside too far to protect him. Really, he's just throwing it to a spot he expects Jawan Jennings to be. And let's be honest, that's where Jennings should be. So those are two prime examples of opportunities to get points. One ends with a turnover. The other ends with a drop pass by Jawan Jennings, which is compounded by the missed field goal by Jake Moody. 40-yard field goal. It was just a little bit too much for him at that moment. Now, of course, later on, he saw a couple extra points go through, and then he got a nice clutch field goal down the stretch. That's got to help build some confidence for Moody. But I thought that that was another pivotal play. So the Fourier's first two trips, it's not like the offense didn't move the ball. It's not like the offense wasn't effective. Was there little things that happened, missed blocks by offensive linemen, 
and things like that that slowed up the run game? Absolutely. Spencer Burford, Jake Brendel, and Aaron Banks on occasion struggled with blocks, never at the same time and never like completely egregious, uh, but enough to kind of mess up plays, prevent them from getting the normal, you know, five to six yards on a carry, limiting them to two or three. And sometimes that is the difference, right, between being able to convert. That play to Jawan Jennings would have been third and three. You know, maybe it would have been a little bit easier to get done. So that was one thing I noticed. I also noticed Jalen Moore had some struggles in the run game as well. So you were definitely missing Trent Williams in this matchup. And so I think the 49ers were trying to go about it a little bit different as far as blocking up front. So was the offensive line perfect? No. Were they terrible? No. I think it was kind of like in the middle. Run blocking, I think, was their biggest weakness in this game. Thought they held up pretty well in pass protection, uh, considering you know what they were going against and the fact they didn't have Trent Williams. Kyle Shannon did a good job of using alignment with Kyle Juszczyk, uh, using tight ends to help, getting little chips to make sure that he could make it a longer distance for those edge rushers to be able to get home and to be able to get to Brock Purdy. Drive three ends up with a touchdown. Uh, so here you go. You had three drives. You had three opportunities for points, a turnover, and a missed field goal rob you of those in the, the first two. But then the third one, you execute. You get a touchdown. Christian McCaffrey up the middle on a nice run. They pull George Kittle. Uh, he helps. He's supposed to turn up the hole, but he sees Charlie Warner is missing a block. He comes through and seals it. It gives plenty of crease for Christian McCaffrey to get in there for the touchdown. And Christian McCaffrey extends his record-breaking streak uh, for 49ers as far as 16 games consecutive with a touchdown. Very impressive from McCaffrey at a solid drive for the 49ers. But when you're talking about teams that aren't good, right, they usually punt the football. We're talking about situations where the 49ers are lacking execution in one or two areas that got to leave you optimistic. I don't know if you can walk away from this game and just be like, man, we stink. Our offense can't move the ball, right? There's been times in 49ers history where we walked away from football games and we're like, man, these guys can't move the ball. All they do is, is turn it over. All they do is have three and outs. With this team, there's little bits and pieces they got to fix, little execution things they got to get better on. But think about it. They should have walked away, and I know it's a hypothetical, but they should have walked away on those first three drives with potentially, and let's just say the first two drives ended up in field goals. In that situation, 13 points on three drives. There's only three real drives in the first half. The fourth one, it, it's just a kneel down. That doesn't count. But three drives, they had three scoring opportunities. That's effective offense. What you're not doing is being effective as far as capitalizing on your opportunities. That's where the 49ers need to get better, and that's where they've struggled over the last two weeks. I actually think they played better offense in this game against Minnesota than they played last week against Cleveland. I bet Cleveland was way better at you know messing with Brock Purdy's timing uh, and keeping him out of whack and attacking that 49ers run game, even though 49ers run game was more effective in that game. So it's interesting how that happens. Now, when you get to the second half for this 49ers offense, the very first drive is kind of bad. Uh, they, they get it going early, right? Get a couple of quick passes. You get the jet sweep to George Kittle. That gets you a first down. And that was nice, creative offense for the 49ers. But then they try to run a toss play. And here's where it goes awry. It's not the play call that's bad. It's the execution that's bad. They're pulling a duo block, which is a double team between Juwan Jennings and Charlie Warner. And Charlie Warner is supposed to be your best, one of your best blocking tight ends 
uh, you know, on the team. He's supposed to be able to make this block. And Jawan Jennings gives him help. But when he does, Warner doesn't get control of DJ Wanham. And when he doesn't get control of DJ Wanham, Wanham gets past him, disengages, gets upfield, and tackles McCaffrey for a three-yard loss. Now, why is that significant? Because then it changes your play calling. If Christian McCaffrey would have got three, four, five yards, you stay on schedule. When you stay on schedule and it's second and seven, second and six, second and five, then you can go into your bag of tricks. Your play action's available. You can take a chance on second and five and throw the football, knowing that on third down, you still have an option to convert. But when you get to second and 13, your mindset changes from let's take a shot or let's get a first down throw down the field or let's run and make it third and short. We have to get half of that yardage back. We have to make sure we get half of that yardage back. When you haven't had as effective time running the football, that means you have to do it in the passing game. You know who else knows that? The Minnesota Vikings. So they're able to get pressure. Daniil Hunter gets pressure on the next play. You get a sack on Brock Purdy, and you're facing third and 25. There don't, there's not very many third and 25 plays in your playbook. So you try to get as much as you can and then punt the ball away, eliminating that drive. This, I think, is the, actually the worst drive of the football game for the entire 49ers because they got one first down, but the lack of execution on first down, lack of execution on second down, put them in a poor situation. I know they get some yards from Jennings on third down, uh, but the you know the Vikings are just playing off. They know they got double sticks. Your odds of getting a first down aren't very good. But I think that is the worst drive, and it's unfortunate because you had the momentum uh, before that big play, and I wonder if it's a little bit of a hangover. The Vikings have that big play at the end of the half on defense, and we're going to get to all that. That ends up, you know, causing a little bit of uh, cause and effect. If the four yards would have been going in down ten to seven or even thirteen to seven, they have momentum, right? They're a touchdown away from taking the lead, so that was really huge in the game. And I thought this drive didn't help the 49ers. but then they get the ball back. You know, the Minnesota Vikings get a field goal, and the four yards come right back. And it's about finding ways to execute what you need to execute. So I was on the PSF app, and I, I was talking to Mark Adams, and somebody had asked, in fact, it was Josh, uh, Fortnite's Faithful Forever. He said, hey, you know, this is where Kyle Shanahan abandons the run. And I said, I look for Kyle Shanahan to try to attack using the extended run game. And what I meant was pass plays out in the flat. I even said throwing it to McCaffrey in the flat, letting him create in the open space. I thought that was the avenue he would go, more creative, get some screens involved, and that's exactly what he did on that drive. Huge play by McCaffrey. Great call by Kyle Shanahan. Perfect timing. They brought extra guys. No one out there. Good blocking on the edge by the wide receivers. And McCaffrey makes one guy miss and house calls it for 60 yards and a touchdown. Huge play in the game for the 49ers. So, you know, there's another opportunity. So only one drive so far out of the first five, you didn't have an opportunity to walk away with points. You weren't in position for scoring whether it was a field goal or a touchdown uh, you just gotta finish these 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 drives right next drive they end up getting a field goal uh from from jake moody can't execute down the stretch and get the first down so they kicked the field goal um, and they had opportunities to get the first down right brock purdy getting a ton of pressure rolling to the left tries to throw it all the way back to brandon Ayuk, and the ball's just a little bit short six inches higher Brandon Ayuk catches it. 49ers get a first down. Who knows what happens, right? But Jake Moody comes in clutch with the field goal. 
This is where it gets crazy. The next two drives end in interceptions. The first one, Brock Purdy throws with anticipation, but I think this ball got away from him a little bit. Yeah, they rerouted Juwan Jennings. I don't think that messed up the timing of the play enough. Uh, I think Brock Purdy just threw it a little bit too far to the middle of the field. Juwan wasn't there, and it ends up being an inter or interception by Cameron Bynum. Got to give him credit for being in the right spot at the right time, and he intercepts the football. And then on the last drive, you know, it, you don't want that to happen. Brock Purdy learned a valuable lesson in that situation. You're stepping up in the pocket. If you don't have a clear path, uh, go ahead and you're outside the pocket. Throw the football away. Throw it down at Ray Ray's feet where no one can get to it. Stop the clock. Live to fight another day. These are real learning experiences for a quarterback that hasn't played a lot of NFL football and that hasn't had these many of this many situations where he has to come back to win a game. Last week, he did get the four yards in a position to kick a game-winning field goal, in a manageable game-winning field goal. This week, they were in the area where you want to be. They need to get about 15 to 20 yards uh, to get down to the 25, 20-yard line where they can start taking shots at the end zone. But it was within the realm of possibilities, and he made a mistake. He took a chance. Tried to get the ball to Ray Ray. He didn't see Bynum coming from the other side. He saw Harrison Smith behind. He thought he had an open avenue to lead him to the middle of the field, and it wasn't there. It was a great read by Bynum coming across. He was reacting to the movement of Brock Purdy as Purdy's going to the left, and he knew that nothing now could go over that seam, and he came flying across. Great play by him. And Brock Purdy learned a valuable lesson. And I think those lessons could pay dividends for the 49ers down the road. But I thought overall, the 49ers, yes, they fell apart at the end with the interceptions. There was too many turnovers with three. And there were some missed blocks and things in this game. But what I thought was there was a lot of missed opportunities. I think the 49ers could have walked away with a lot of points if they would have just taken care of the ball. So I think when you're watching film, you're going to be disappointed. You're going to be upset if you're the 49ers. These are plays we could have taken advantage of. We should have had this many points. Lack of execution and lack of uh, protecting the football ends up being the, the thing that gets you. And if you can't stay on the field consistently, then you lose time of possession. Uh, you can never lose the turnover battle like that. They were good on third down. They were 5 of 8 on third down. That's good. Uh, that's well over 50%, so good for them. So it's not like the offense played terrible in this matchup. They just made critical mistakes when they shouldn't have made those critical mistakes. But I'm not going to harp on Brock Purdy. I don't think Brock Purdy played a terrible game. In fact, I think through the first three quarters of this football game, Brock Purdy was pretty darn good. I mean, he was, he was really laser-focused. He was making the right reads. He was figuring out what the Vikings were doing blitz-wise as far as... Uh, uh, Scheme-wise, what they were in as far as coverage, he did fantastic. So for three quarters, Brock Purdy proved how good of a quarterback he was, and he had two bad drives in this football game. And I'm not going to let that completely sway me from what the other three uh, quarters said. At some point, right, the fourth quarter is going to be have to be a quarter that he excels in. But right now in his young career, I'm going to give him the grace to make mistakes. Things like this happen, especially with young players. The main thing is that next time when he gets into this situation, he doesn't make the same mistake. If he learns from it, then the 49ers are better for it. You don't want to lose football games, but Brock Purdy's not the reason the 49ers lost. Yeah, the interception at the end, 
was what sealed it. But there was plenty of opportunities that I think we've talked about already that he that he wasn't a part of that cost the 49ers something. You know, whether that was McCaffrey causing them points with the turnover on the fumble or Jawan Jennings causing them something by not sitting down and catching the ball. You know, there are there's plenty of mistakes and plenty of things to go around that, you know, everyone wears this one. It's a team loss. But I think there's a lot of learning experience. And I think I walked away from the first half offensive film thinking to myself, hey, it wasn't that bad. I walked away from the second half, you know, offensive film feeling like, wow, they, they made some mistakes as far as turnovers. They had opportunities. They could have walked away at the win. So I think that part is good. Now let's talk about the defense. Because I think this is where it gets interesting. Because the defense had a great first drive interception. Second drive, they get them to third and 12. Negative play on first down. Uh, you know, incomplete on second down because Cleveland Farrell bends the corner, gets pressure, uh, hits Cousins just as he's about to throw. It's like, yeah, here we go. And then you get to third down, and TJ Hawkinson stays in to help Bosa and then releases. And you got both linebackers dropping very deep, and they check it underneath the Hawkinson. Nobody can get there. Hufanga and Warner get there, but he's already gained too many yards. Uh, so I thought that was interesting. It was a nice play call by Kevin, uh, Kevin O'Connell, getting the ball where he needed it to get. Uh, and they got it done with their tight end. And I thought that was big because then it was a little bit more of a rhythm that they got in. Cousins was throwing the football. There's a lot of bang, bang plays. And what I'm saying is those are, he gets the ball out and the, the guy catches it and he gets hit right away. Uh, 40 yards were driving on those footballs, but he was doing a good job of absolutely lighting them up. And I got to credit his receivers for getting open and then locating the ball and holding on to it. Even when 49er defenders were either hitting them really hard trying to affect the ball by using their hands. I mean, they were really on them, but they were making those plays. There were some times the 49ers had some missed tackles. Fred Warner, Nick Bosa had some missed tackles in this game. I also saw uh, a few times where linebackers overrun or tried to go out of their lanes. As far as getting downhill, they should have been getting downhill and making tackles. And they were scraping across blockers. That wasn't good. Sometimes that was the effect of defensive linemen up front not being able to win against the double team in Kevin Givens' case sometimes, or just getting pushed by in one-on-ones or held up in one-on-ones. So there was some things execution-wise that weren't great about the defense. I didn't find too many bad calls as far as Steve Wilkes until he had to manufacture pressure. And why did he have to manufacture pressure? The 49ers' front four on defense has not been able to get home consistently and get sacks on the quarterback. And the first thing people are going to do is point fingers at Nick Bosa. But I'll tell you this right now. You can't watch that all-22 film and think that Nick Bosa is the problem with the pass rush. He gets two, sometimes three guys sent his way. Uh, they had one time, they, they literally slid slide protection all the way across five dudes for, for Bosa, Armstead, and Hargrave with one guy on the opposing side for Cleveland Farrell. That is part of the problem. The 49ers need an edge rusher opposite of Nick Bosa that can win. Now, they paid more attention to Randy Gregory when he was in. Not always, but most of the time, they would send maybe a running back to help chip or a tight end. They would give him a little bit more attention. Here's the problem. Randy Gregory only played 21 snaps in this football game was not as effective as you'd like. Couldn't get home, couldn't get that pressure. With the 49ers not being able to get consistent pressure from the front, front four, it puts a strain on everyone else. 
This defense has been built on the defensive line being the strength and causing pressure, making quarterbacks get rid of the football quickly, right? It's worked early in the season. If quarterbacks want to get rid of the ball quickly, that's great. We'll rally and make tackles underneath. But Kirk Cousins had time. The Vikings had time to run double moves and have shots down the field. That is not usually the case against the 49ers. Armstead, Hargrave, not able to get home. Are they singled up? Not usually. Usually they're double teamed. They've got lots of guys on them. So that's what Steve Wilkes is trying to do. He knows his defensive backs, his linebackers, they're on islands out there. If they can't get pressure on Kirk Cousins, if he's able to just sit back, he's going to throw into tight windows and make some good throws. So he had to go to uh, getting, manufacturing some pressure, bringing linebackers, bringing safeties, bringing Isaiah Oliver, trying to figure out ways to not only free up one of his defensive linemen, maybe get one of his other guys to get pressure on the quarterback. Well, what that did was play right into Kevin O'Connell's hands because what he was doing was sitting back and waiting for when Steve Wilkes was going to get aggressive. They executed enough early, and then when Wilkes was aggressive, and you probably a little bit prematurely aggressive because of what happened in Cleveland where he wasn't really aggressive against P.J. Walker, so he was eager to go out there and get something done, then that's when O'Connell hit him with the screen. First it was Hawkinson, and then next thing you know it was Akers, and it's some crazy throwback-type play. And then that what that did was now you're taking advantage of the blitz. And when you do that, you leave opportunities in other areas. So I just think it really got the 49ers playing a step behind what the Vikings and Kevin O'Connell were doing. The Vikings were doing a very good job of staying on schedule. They were making sure that they were you know, getting a, a, some yards on first down, some more yards on second down, forcing you know, third downs, yes, but they were third and manageable a lot of times. But let's be honest, the Vikings were superb on third down against the 49ers. Absolutely superb. They were 8 of 13 in the game. So that is, when you execute like that, you can't get off the field. Where I have to give the 49ers their flowers, though, is how good they played inside the red zone. The Vikings could have easily scored a couple more touchdowns in this football game, but the 49ers' defense showed up. They played tough on the red zone, and I got to give major props to Javon Kinlaw. There's a, a play to Cam Akers as far as a screen pass, and it comes on a blitz. Uh, Steve Wilkes dialed it up. He had Dre Greenlaw and Tashawn Gibson coming. They both come free, but it's the perfect play call, and he gets the ball over the top of Greenlaw to Cam Akers with blockers, and Cam Akers could have scored. Javon Kinlaw runs 35-plus yards and runs him down and makes the tackle. And, of course, it's not a straight sprint, but he's, you know, Akers is trying to make some moves, and he gets him to the ground. It was a really good play by Kinlaw. So the very next play, what happens? Kevin Givens jumps inside of two guys trying to block him and makes a play in the backfield. Spectacular play. Steps up, makes a play. Then the 49ers rally and get two stops as far as uh, playing you know, coverage. One, it could have been a touchdown, a tight window throw. It's a bad throw by Cousins because the 49ers are putting pressure on him, not only with the, the pass rush, but also in the secondary, and then Fred gets his hand on the ball and knocks it away. But two red zone stops and two goal line stops for the 49ers, bend and don't break. 49ers only gave up six points in the second half. Pretty good. You gave your offense an opportunity to win. Do I want to see them get off the field more on third down? Do I want to see them force more punts? Yes. Do I want to see them you know, stop some of these plays from working? Absolutely. 
But I think it's less about wholesale changes and more about subtle adjustments here and there. One loose screw here, one bolt, fixing things up, tightening things up, figuring out what you got to do. Could implore uh, John Lynch to go out and make a move, bring in an extra edge rusher. It might be time. We're going to be honest. It wasn't great watching Drake Jackson get knocked on the ground and get pushed around when he had to set the edge. It wasn't nice in plays that he's supposed to be a pass rusher and he's not, not even getting past the line of scrimmage. The 49ers right now don't have the amount of pass rushers they need to consistently put pressure on the quarterback. They have two good pass rushers on the inside in Hargrave and Armstead. But on the outside right now, Randy Gregory's not playing enough snaps and they're putting all their full attention on Nick Bosa. So the 49ers have to figure this out. Does that mean stunts? Does that mean changing it up as far as your alignment? Does that mean uh, changing it up as far as you know assignment? What do they got to do? They got to figure something out there. When it comes to Steve Wilkes and that last play of the second half, I made it pretty clear on the game reaction show, I wasn't a huge fan of that call. A lot of people are arguing that in that situation, he's trying to make sure he ends the half and that no points come off the board. I say, you just make sure you don't give up a touchdown. They haven't crossed midfield yet. They're not in field goal range. Yeah, you might allow a catch underneath, uh, but you just can't allow that to happen. Now, maybe that is something that Kyle and, and Steve Wilkes have talked about. And normally, I, I love for my defensive play callers to be aggressive and take chances. Just think the circumstance wasn't right. Do I expect Steve Wilkes to same, make the same mistake later? No. I'm not really worried about it. I don't think he called a bad game by any means. I think because plays were happening on the field, it sometimes felt like that. But he was trying to help his defense. He was trying to manufacture pressure, and he was trying to make something happen. And that goes for his players, too. When they were down and they were getting beat by double moves or they were getting penalties, they were trying to make something happen. This is a team that wanted to win. This is a team that was trying to be aggressive. You can't fault the players for trying to be aggressive and trying to make plays when their backs are against the wall. So do I think Steve Wilkes is a bad defensive coordinator? Absolutely not. <laughs> I think he's going to make you know some, some big-time adjustments. We've seen these problems happen and come across with Robert Sala. D'Amico Ryan's had problems. You adjust, you figure it out, and then you go out there and make plays. I think we were just so excited about the 49ers going 5-0 and and how dominant they looked in those matchups that you know you kind of see this now, and it's just not the norm of what you're used to seeing. But they're going to figure it out. There's enough good film out there, and there's enough good players on the 49ers team that they're not that far away from turning these games that they're losing into turning these into games that they win. And I think that's what they got to do. And they've got a tough matchup coming up this week against Cincinnati. Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, uh, Higgins coming to town, Joe Mixon. It's, it's not going to be easy, a tough defense for Brock Purdy and the 49ers offense to go against. And so we're going to see how they match up. But what I think I can say, upon further review, the 49ers had opportunities in this game to win. They definitely need to limit mistakes. The way that they won in the first five games was by winning the turnover differential and by making sure they were really good on third down and taking care of the football. In the last two matchups, uh, the, the turnover differential is definitely, especially in this one, three to one. Too many mistakes down the stretch. Too many open frames. Make sure you kick field goals. Make sure you score touchdowns. And then you'll be okay. So do I think the offense is that far off? No. I think it was a good game plan. I would have liked to seen a little bit more aggressiveness in the 49ers run game, uh, but I'm not going to be hypercritical of it considering they had opportunities to score. They just didn't execute. So uh, guys are making mistakes at inopportune times. 
lack of execution has been a problem for the 49ers in the past. And then once they figured it out, they go on deep runs. Here's that moment. Maybe the 49ers needed this. Uh, 49ers are used to being behind the eight ball at this point in the season. Maybe they needed their backs pushed against the wall a little bit. So that way they could come out fighting. And I'm hoping that's going to be the case. So uh, overall, I thought special teams, besides the one moody uh, missed field goal, by the way, special teams was superb in this game. George Odom was fantastic. And then I thought the, the 49ers offense uh, just made a couple of critical mistakes that end up being the difference between having an opportunity to actually win this game and losing. And those are some things they're going to have to answer. And then the defense gave up a lot of bang-bang plays. And then Steve Wilkes trying to help his team out uh, was more aggressive than probably he should have been, and especially at the end of the first half. But even in other situations, he was trying to manufacture pressure, take some of the pressure off his defensive backs. And Kirk Cousins is one of the best against the Blitz in the league, and he exposed the 49ers in this matchup. So you live and you learn. You go, you watch the film, you break it down, you look in the mirror, uh, you understand what you saw and, the, and the, the, the changes that you need to make, and you go make those changes. You go attack another team. Uh, and you you try to fix the things that you need to fix. But overall, you've got to adjust to what you're going to see because this is a copycat league and more teams are going to try to do what the Minnesota Vikings did, which is load the box, put the onus on Brock Purdy and say, hey, Brock, you're going to have to go out there and beat us. And if Kyle Shanahan is willing uh, to, to allow Brock Purdy to do it, I think he can. The other thing that they're going to have to do is continue to figure out how to get the run game going, even with so many guys in the box. Right now, they don't have Debo, who is a big-time blitz beater, with the way that you can run screens on the outside. So the 49ers tried George Kittle, got him involved in it a little bit. like to see them get Ray Ray involved in it a little bit as well. The 49ers are going to have to come up with some stuff. I have a lot of faith in Kyle Shanahan and this coaching staff to figure it out. And I have a lot of faith in John Lynch to go out there and make some splash moves to make sure he puts his team in the right position to go out and win football games. So thank you guys for joining me for the upon further review 49ers versus Vikings, a deeper dive into this game after watching the all 22 film. I really appreciate it. Of course, if you're watching on YouTube, please like and subscribe to the channel. Really appreciate it. If you're listening on audio platform, 49ers cutback on believe, uh, give it a five-star rating. That would be great. And of course, lots of content over on Patreon, standalone shows, uh, film breakdowns, all of that available on Patreon. So go check those out. This episode of 40 Yards Cutback brought to you by Bet Online, where the game starts. I'll catch you guys on the next one. Until then, stay safe and remember the right way is always the 49ers.